Welcome back to Moments That Matter. We want to welcome a returning guest, Lauren Schott. You might recall that we talked with her very recently in a previous episode about hiking the Appalachian Trail in 2021. Today, we're continuing our series, Books That Matter, asking Lauren about a significant book she has encountered titled Learning to Walk in the Dark by Barbara Brown Taylor. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. So let me admit up front that I haven't read this book, though I have downloaded the Kindle version and have every intention of reading it very soon. However, my co-host and general lifesaver, Scott, has in fact read the book, so I will leave much of the questioning to him. However, I will begin with this question, and that is, how were you drawn to this book? What was it? How did you find out about it? And what did you find interesting enough to open it up and to read it? Yeah, so this book actually was an assignment that I had to read. Um, So I, uh, in college, one summer, I was working with a ministry called a Christian Ministry in National Parks. And I was up in the Smoky Mountains. And we had this chaplain who was on staff in the area who uh, challenged all of us um, on the team to read this book. And then we were going to take a night hike and discuss it. So it really, I mean, it started out as an assignment. Um, and since then I have given away several copies and I've read it several times. It's just been one of those books that, um, has really resonated with me. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I think it was an intriguing title, but it, nothing about it would have been something that I was like, Oh, I I would be interested in reading this if it hadn't been something that was assigned to be read. Can you give us the gist of the book? Yeah, so Barbara Brown Taylor, um, she is an author who has kind of lived a very interesting, like, spiritual journey and just interesting journey in general, as far as um, she's been an Episcopal pastor or an Episcopal priest um, for several years, uh, for several decades, I believe. She's left the church just due to disillusionment with the establishment that has still kind of held on to her faith. And this book was kind of her, um, maybe, I don't even know, maybe her thoughts, I guess, on what darkness means in different settings. So she talks about physical darkness and like actually being in darkness versus light. She talks about mental darkness and dark emotions. She talks about spiritual darkness, obviously, and um, kind of her... Uh, encounters with spiritual darkness. Um, She talks about what darkness looks like from biological standpoints, what it does to our brains when we're in darkness versus in light. Um, And basically just kind of gives her thoughts on what darkness is and what we've kind of created it to be um, versus maybe what it should look like in our lives. Um, and how maybe it could be a little bit more embraced, um, how darkness has been kind of placed as this bad character, um, and how it's actually very necessary to a lot of growth, both mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of it. There's this level of growth that happens in darkness. So, And what was it that besides 
you know, being challenged to read the book, what was it that you connected with? Um, I'm actually really connected. She had talked, um, she talked at one point about uh, this idea of uh, full solar Christianity is what she calls it. And so it's this idea that, you know, God is good all the time. You know, faith is always a good place to be. It's always happy, always, you know, sun is shining, rainbows and butterflies. And um, this focus on the blessings, the blessings, the blessings, and like this kind of um, decreased focus on what negative things are happening, I guess, in people's lives. And at the time I had just come out of a really, really tough year in college and I was just worn out. Um, and I just remember reading that and her talking about this idea of like full solar Christianity versus like, she calls it lunar Christianity. So kind of following the phases of the moon and kind of this ebb and flow of, um, faith and, you know, being able to kind of look at the negatives or the things, the hard things that have happened in life and take those and kind of sit with them, not even try to work through them, but just sit with them and kind of lean into that. And that really resonated with me because I had just felt like a lot of what I'd gone through the last two years in college had been kind of just glossed over as like, oh, well, it's just what happens. And like, you're okay. And, you know, um, yeah. So I think that was something that really, really pulled me in. So great description, Lauren. Uh, I too read the book because of an assignment and, uh, was, was assigned the book to read at first. I didn't like it because I, I read the title and I recognized the sort of praise for darkness. And I was very much in a solar, type of mindset to mm-hmm. imagine, you know, I, I don't like this darkness and this uncertainty. And yet when I realized what she was sharing, um, and especially the trajectory of spiritual formation throughout church history and her mm-hmm. reference to St. John of the Cross and his dark night of the soul, which I think we've all experienced despite knowing whether, uh, what it might be called, uh, I started mm-hmm. to understand a little bit better. She sort of demystifies darkness in a way, and I wanted to read a quote Mm. and get your thoughts from it. Uh, Early in the book, she said, uh, Instead, I've learned things in the dark that I could never have learned in the light, things that have saved my life over and over again, so that there really is only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light. What were some things maybe that you learned or saw in the dark that you could not have learned or experienced in the light? That's a great question. I mean, I think I have definitely, like over the years, I've learned to be more comfortable in the dark, um, both physical and like emotional and spiritual darkness. Um, I think some of my biggest moments of rest or some of my most conscious moments of rest have happened in um, I guess you would call them like spiritual deserts or like, I kind of think of it as like a season of winter almost, you know, where it's kind of just like fallow ground, nothing's really growing that you can see, but it's just this necessary period of rest. Um, and that has always felt like spiritual darkness to me because it doesn't feel like things are happening or moving or, you know, people are like, oh, well you should be producing fruit. And it's like, 
well, you know, trees don't bear fruit all the time. And so I just always kind of had this weird feeling about, you know, 24 seven kind of like fruit bearing all the time. And, um, so I think for me, I, once I kind of learned to sit with those seasons of just being, um, restful and learning that like, like seasonal, seasonal Christianity sounds kind of weird, but this kind of idea of like spirituality following a pattern of seasons makes sense in my brain to me. So that's kind of how I think of it. Like once I kind of learned that like the winter period was for rest and for restoration, um, even if it felt kind of like a foggy, dark area, if you will, those to me felt like the most healing seasons because they were times that I, I could just sit and know like, okay, I don't necessarily feel anything. I don't necessarily feel like, you know, I'm bearing all of this fruit and, you know, being productive, but I also know that this is necessary. And so I think that is something I learned more recently, um, that I'm still kind of trying to come to come to grips with because it's not, I, I don't really feel like it's a very popular thing to say like, Oh yeah, my, my faith has like seasons to it, you know? And so, um, but I think that for me would be like spiritually, that's kind of what I think I've learned with sitting with darkness. Um, emotionally, I think I can definitely connect with it a little bit more, um, just because I like recently kind of was, uh, in counseling and, uh, therapy for different situations that had happened in my life that were just really rough areas. I'm trying to avoid using the term dark, <laughs> but that were really, uh, yeah, just really hard, um, things to go through and learning. Like one of the things that my counselor really challenged me to do was to sit with and process the emotions that I was feeling, um, and not just shove them to the side. And that's something that, um, Barbara talks about in this book too, is like sitting with the dark emotions and, um, I really feel like I learned the absolute most about myself and I grew the most when, and healed the most, I think as well, when I was willing to sit with those emotions and willing to process them, even though it was exhausting and it was hard, um, in a way that I would not have grown or healed if I had just shoved them down and focused on the happy, you know? So, yeah, great response. I have to still admit, I hate the seasons of darkness because I feel like, just as you described so perfectly, these seasons of winter or these seasons where God doesn't seem so intimate and uh, difficulties seem to really come to the surface. And yet all throughout Christian history, the great fathers and mothers of our faith talk about how God does his biggest work and greatest work during these desert seasons or dark mm -hmm. seasons. Uh, whether we can feel it or not. Um, you mentioned physical and sort of emotional darkness. Mm -hmm. You've experienced both. I'm curious, since the last episode you shared about your experience on the Appalachian Trail, was there more living this out while you were on the trail in both ways? Absolutely. I think, I mean, physical darkness for sure, um, especially because we were kind of hiking the people that I was with and myself, we were kind of hiking in towards the winter. And so the days were getting shorter. 
And we just reached this point where we were trying so hard to get in all of the miles that we needed to get done before dark. And it was just so stressful. It was so wearing on us. We weren't having any fun. We were cold and just miserable. And one day we just were kind of like, okay, what if we just try night hiking? We're just going to try it. You know, so we're going to get up when, when we're not cold, you know, we'll, we'll get up, we'll get moving when we decide we want to. And we're just going to do the same number of miles, but we'll just eat dinner a little bit earlier and then hike into the night and it'll be okay. And that worked out so well for us. I mean, we, we probably did that the last month of our hike where we would hike, um, up to like 12 AM, you know, we would just keep hiking. Um, I think our final night we ended at 1 AM, one in the morning. And it was just, it was just so fun because like during the day you have this light so you can see the path, you can see where you're going and it's just very kind of mindless. Um, you're following the blazes. You're just like stuck in the zone with your audiobook or music or whatever you're listening to. You're kind of all spread out along the trails. So you can kind of do your own thing, but at night, none of us wanted to hike alone. Um, and I did night hike alone a couple of times and it was not as fun as it was when we hiked together. Um, but we got to a point where we would hike together as a group of three, sometimes as five, uh, I think sometimes as six even. And that was the time that we, I think grew the closest because you're hiking together for three to five hours at night. One of you is in the lead trying to find the trail um, someone's in the back in charge of telling the stories. And so we would just have story time every night. So someone would retell the story that they heard on the audiobook, or we would play word games or song games. And, you know, you just kind of get this camaraderie that you wouldn't have during the day. Cause during the day, it's just easy. It's an easy hike. And you, well, I mean, as easy as it can be, you know, but you don't have these extra added challenges of the dark around you. Um, and I think we just all got so comfortable with being in the dark at that point where, you know, like, okay, we're here, we have to go get water and it's dark. We have to go do this. And it just felt like it just felt comfortable. Um, I think the only difference was that you just couldn't see as far in front of you, but, um, we just, I think we grew a lot closer as a group and we were able to kind of come together. And those were some of the most cherished memories that I have were those night hiking moments, because it was the time that we were all together and we weren't just, I mean, we were exhausted, but we weren't just, you know, in our sleeping bags curled up and, you know, hoping for sleep. Um, but then I think along with that, there was definitely, there were definitely moments of emotional darkness too. Like I, there was one point where I just in Virginia that I was just like, I cannot keep going. I'm done. I don't want to hike anymore. I am just so like over this. I'm cold. I'm tired. Um, and the two people that I hiked with for most of the trail just were really able to come alongside me and kind of be like, okay, like what, how can we help? How can we, you know, like, do we need to take another zero day? And they were willing to give up their timeline in order to accommodate mine. And Thankfully, we still got to where we were going within our timeline, but it was just very special to see these people that were complete strangers, you know, four and a half months ago being willing to kind of 
pick me up when I was feeling really low and willing to just do whatever needed to be done to get me to the end because they knew that's where I wanted to get to. And there were moments that they were kind of down and out and we would just, you know, we would encourage each other and pick each other up. But I think that was so special just to have that community around that were, I mean, we were all going through the same thing. So it was a lot easier to have them know, you know, it wasn't like my mom who's like, oh, we'll just come home. It'll be okay. You know, it's like someone who's like, no, I know you want to get there. And so we're going to get you there. It'll just, you know, look a little different than we expected it to. So good. Amazing. Side question. Paul has talked about you being an avid reader. What did you do about reading while you're on the trail? Just <laughs> by curiosity. I probably listened to about 25 audiobooks on trail. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, it was that honestly, I think Libby, the library app saved me because they, I mean, you can only listen to a soundtrack so many times before it gets old. So, and we did, we listened to so many soundtracks too, but um, yeah, we actually had a book club on trail. So the two people I was hiking with and I, we uh, picked up a book in a bookstore and we were like, we want to read it. So we all found it online and would listen to it. And then after we finished the first couple of chapters, we'd discuss it. And then we do the next couple of chapters and discuss it. And we just kept doing that throughout the, I think that was in New York and we kept doing that pretty much throughout the trail, um, the rest of the trail. And even now, like there's book recommendations I'll give them and they'll give me and, you know, so, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun to be able. And honestly, that was something that I felt really blessed by was to have the technology to listen to books because even like 10 years ago, hiking the trail, that just would not have been possible. Um, and so it was something that I felt like my mind was still kind of moving and going and I could listen to all sorts of genres and, um, it was just a lot of fun, um, to be able to kind of listen to books throughout the trail. Awesome. Well, back to your book, I had one more question and a quote I wanted to throw out there, just get your thought because this really gripped me about halfway through the book, maybe two thirds through the book. Barbara says this, after so many years of trying to cobble together a way of thinking about God that makes sense so that I can safely settle it all, then it turns to nada. <laughs> Did you find <laughs> that to be the case after your thoughts of God mm. have been sort of settled and entering into a new season of darkness or a new season of winter that you were forced to maybe rethink something about him? Has any time spent in the darkness changed your ideas about him or um, your thoughts about him or your relationship with him? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think so. Like, I think it's really hard not to go into a season of darkness, holding onto your faith and then have it come out completely the same at the other end of that. Um, at least for me, it's really hard to do that. I, I feel like any time that I've gone through some kind of period of darkness, my faith has shifted or changed or anytime I've gone through something that is just hard. Um, I think my faith has kind of shifted. And I think that's one of the things that I'm still kind of trying to work through now after having been on the trail is what does my faith look like after doing something that was so difficult and um, that you know, I was surrounded by darkness, both mentally and spiritually. And, you know, 
most of the people I was around were not believers. And I mean, I, I adore those people. And so what does that look like? Like, what does my witness look like now? And, um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of questions still kind of being formulated and thoughts being formulated about that, um, right now after the trail, but I feel like the, probably the biggest like turning point that I can point to would be after studying abroad, um, coming back. And one of the things that they had us do when I studied abroad, cause it was a Christian organization, I guess, um, is basically we had this class whose whole purpose was just to deconstruct the Western <laughs> idea of Christianity and then reconstruct it. Um, and so I came back with all of these new ideas and thoughts and theories and, um, came back to SWU where it was just like, I remember talking to one of my ministry major friends and I mentioned this book and she's like, Nope, he's a heretic. Absolutely not. And just, she wouldn't talk to me about it. And I was like, Oh, like I just felt like this door had been shut in my face. And so, um, yeah, I think I just had to kind of, I, I feel like that semester after I studied abroad was one of the hardest I had at SWU because I felt so isolated. Like I felt like I had, I feel like I had had this experience with my faith where I started to see things in technicolor and then I came back and everything was kind of black and white again, you know, it was like, I don't know how to reconcile these. I don't know how to reconcile the different theologies that I've come up against or come in contact with. Um, and so it just was such an interesting, I don't even, I don't want to say battle, but that's kind of what it felt like. Like, it just felt like this fight within myself of like, what do I actually think? What do I actually believe And getting down into the nitty gritty? And I honestly, my realization kind of came like, it was just basically like, I don't know that anything that I believe other than like my core belief of Christianity of like Jesus death and re resurrection for our sins. I feel like everything else I'm kind of like, Meh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I'm still, yeah, I'm still very much working through that, but, um, I think it just made me realize how insignificant, well, maybe that's not the right word, how, um, that's the only word that I can think of. So that's the one I'm going to use. Um, all of these like little theological points are that we fight about within our denominations, whether that's like churches on Sunday versus Saturday or drinking or no drinking or whatever it, whatever it is. Um, like they're all points that we all feel are so important to our faith. And I think that they are to a certain degree, but I think I just realized how divisive they can be. Um, especially like having gone and studied abroad with these 20 girls who are from all different walks of faith and um, who are from all different denominations and learning that like, we are very much on the same page about the things that actually truly matter in our faith, but not necessarily on other things. And that's okay. Like we can still be effective witnesses together, even if we're in disagreement about certain other things, I guess. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that quite answers your question, but that's kind of where my thoughts are going.
Thanks again for tuning in this week, and be sure to join in next week to hear the conclusion of Lauren Shop sharing her thoughts on learning to walk in the dark.